Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands towards heaven. We praise you, Father. We magnify you. We glorify you. Thank you for the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. That blood that not only purchased our life, but gave us brand new life. Washed away our sin. Something nothing else could do. Nothing but the blood. So we praise you. We lift our hands and we open our hearts. We yield our life to you. Jesus as Lord, master of our life. Thank you for the blood that you shed. Bearing our sin, our sickness, our disease, our poverty, all that sin had done. You bore in your body on the tree. You bore stripes upon your back, and through those stripes we are healed. And so we thank you for the blood. That legal tender in heaven, that blood that is sprinkled upon the mercy seat even right now. We call attention to the blood on the mercy seat, the blood of Jesus. And we thank you for your mercy and your great grace towards us. And the redemption that we have through the blood of Jesus Christ. God, we are so thankful. And we are so grateful for that which we could not have ever done on our own. That which the blood of bulls and goats could never have done. The blood of Jesus did. It washed and took away our sin. That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Restored to right relationship. To be the person we were created to be in Christ Jesus. So we thank you. We thank you. Holy Spirit, I thank you. I ask you for utterance to speak as we ought to speak. Help me, Holy Spirit, to declare rightly and divide rightly the word of truth. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to our hearts and to our lives concerning the covenant that we have with you. The covenant that we make through you in our families. The covenant that we have with one another as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bring a greater clarity and accuracy that our lives might be so impacted by the knowledge of covenant. That we walk in the strength and the power and the purity and the proclamation that we are dead to sin and alive unto God. That there is a hope and a future and a destiny of eternal life that rests upon us. That we carry the very power and we carry the very presence of God. Through Jesus Christ, God, let it impact our life wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves, whatever relationship we find ourselves in, that we recognize and realize the covenant that we have through the blood of Jesus Christ. So we thank you, we praise you, and we magnify you for everything that will be accomplished in every heart and in every life, in every body, in every soul. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, the life of God dwells in me, and the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place, and your victory releases a fragrance 
of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can believe that. You believe that. You can be seated. I want to welcome everybody this morning. Glad you're here once again. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I want to welcome everybody who's joining us on live stream. Praise the Lord. Just want to thank our team and Tony for obeying God, going to Nepal, uh, impacting lives. Uh, at least uh, 25 people, uh, more, were born again, gave their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And uh, those... Uh, Times are always very impactful for not only the people that we go to, but all of us that go there. And whether it's uh, Nepal, Africa, uh, uh, Peru, wherever we go, you know, what impacts uh, us greatly as we go, you know, we go to share, we go to minister and to serve. But their uh, fire for God and the revival that's taking place all over the world generally impacts us. Amen. And as Maddie said, you know, we, we, we tend to have grown up in it, and if we're not careful, we get too familiar with it. Right. And, uh, you know, the, the, the charge of all of it, you know, familiarity breeds contempt, but uh, we need to be familiar. We need to know one another and be close. The, the, the challenge is not to be contemptful about it. And so to see people who are just knowing Jesus and on fire for God and uh, not take that for granted and know that really we have something that is so powerful that we carry on the inside of us, we carry upon us, and that's the very presence and anointing of God. And to see that excitement in people and, and in places where, you know, they don't have the things and the resources that we have, yet they are excited about life. They're excited about what Jesus is doing. They have the joy of the Lord. And... Uh, uh, God wants us to experience that same thing, amen, and not fall into a lull. You know, when I, when I first came to Glenwood Springs and, and uh, you know, I started working filling fire extinguishers, um, I, I worked in a room about as big as most of our closets. Some people have grand closets, but a regular closet. I worked in a room about that big. People, uh, guys went out and collected, and uh, they inspected fire extinguishers. You might not ever know this even goes on, but uh, you, you can't have your fire extinguishers without them being inspected. And the powder in them sits, and it gets compacted, so your fire extinguisher not, might not work. But we were there to help you. And so they would pick up all the ones that were packed and bring them to my closet, and then I would put them to my ear and listen to see if the powder flowed or didn't flow. And if it didn't flow, then I had to let the pressure off, open it, empty the old powder, put in the new powder. Super exciting. My point being <laughs> that the guy who picked them up was a believer. And I was so excited to be there. I was so excited. I graduated from Bible school. I was so excited about what God was doing. And he would come and we'd start, start to talk about the word. And I would talk about signs and wonders and miracles, what Jesus was doing. And I remember one day he specifically looked at me and he said, I was excited like you once. And you will learn. And I said, I hope I will never learn to not be excited about what Jesus did for me. And so when we look at it and say, well, you know, it's good for the Nepalis and stuff. They're excited, but they'll learn like us. No, we learn from them the excitement, the passion to never leave the passion of our first love, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so those reports, you know, they're just even moved by, by just seeing that and what God did in them while they were gone. And you have a part in that, how it changes their life, what it does in Nepal, and really what God is doing here. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. Well, open your Bibles with me to Hebrews. Praise the Lord. Hebrews, the 13th chapter. Hebrews, the 13th chapter. I want to uh, get somewhere in our, our series as we're talking about divine connections and covenant relationships that are taking place. And uh, we have started, we're going to, uh, you know, do our best to, to move through this and navigate this. It's turned into something I think is big, but very, very important uh, as we expound and, and expound and bring some understanding about the relationships, the divine relationships that God has created uh, in our lives and how they're bound by covenant. They're not simply choices that we make, but when we make a choice and we enter into a covenant relationship, the bond of that covenant. And so as we begin to look at the bond of that covenant and the understanding of the power of that covenant and the purity of that covenant and the, the length of that covenant, we'll get into this a little bit, but the power of the covenant, if you understand, you know, so, so many times people have a covenant and they're, you know, they feel betrayed, things happen th and, 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 you know, they're ready to, to get out and there's rights and there's ways to get out. But, you know, David, who Saul was not very uh, honoring of the covenant that they had. But after Saul and Jonathan died, David said, somebody tell me if there's anybody of the house of Saul that's alive that I might show covenant kindness to. And they hunted down Mephibosheth in Lodibar. And listen to the power of covenant and covenant mercy and covenant kindness and the length of covenant when you understand it is they found Mephibosheth and, and, and when all the things were going on and they came after the house of Saul, his mother dropped him and, and we'll get into this a little bit so I probably won't go too long. But anyway, he was injured and he couldn't walk and so they bring him and David, what David had prepared on the basis of covenant, he brought uh, Mephibosheth and he said, Mephibosheth was scared to death to come before the king because of what had happened. And the king said, man, I'm so glad to see you. And he said, what do you mean? I'm just a dead dog. And he said, no, covenant demands that I bless you. And he said, and so Saul's house and his fields and his farms and everything has been redecorated. It's been all fixed up and people are farming the land and, and doing all the things there for you. You're going to be blessed. I've set it all up. And he said, and you're not even going to live over there. It's just going to produce for you. You're going to come to my house. And you're going to eat at my table. And we look at that and we go, man, what a waste. Fix up all that and he's going to come and live at your house? Well, then what's all that for? It talks of the power and the length and the extension of understanding covenant. We leave it behind. But he saw where I have a covenant and it extends beyond the person. It extends into families. It extends into really for David, the nation, the people of God. So as we talk about covenant and we talk about the process of covenant, I just want, I, I'm trusting that it triggers our mind just in some way. We can't get the totality of it. Uh, you know, I, I keep trying to preach the totality of it and it, we just have to take it a little bit at a time. But it's so powerful that if we get it, we will be the church that arises, that we shine different in the world, that we join together in this powerful uprising that God has planned, revival, raising up of the church with the glory of God that rests upon her. And those who are in deep darkness, searching and groping, will be drawn to the brightness of the rising of the church. Because the church, when it understands covenant, won't be fragmented. It won't be selfish. It won't be individualized, but it'll be corporate. It'll be the church. It'll be the body of Christ. 
So Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Somebody say everlasting covenant. Say it again, everlasting covenant. Make you complete in every good work to do his will. He said, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, God determines to make us complete for every good work. Not struggling, not lacking, but complete. Matured for every good work to do his will. Working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And we start to read that and we think, wow, he's going to do that, but then I have to do his will. No, when he completes you, you become like him. And when you become like him, it's a, it's a joy. It's a, there's a strength. There's an outlook of doing his will that comes straight from the heart because now that's who you are. That's not what you're trying to be. That's not what you're trying to do. But you are manifesting the very will of God, that you are redeemed, that you are set free, that you are washed and cleansed and sanctified. If we don't get anything else across through this, is that your sin is gone. If you yield and rely on the blood of Jesus, it's gone. What the blood of bulls and goats could not do, the blood of Jesus has done. See, it always gets silent. We have so much religion, like, don't say I'm without sin. Oh, my God, you can't say that. You were born into sin, but thank God you were born again through the blood of Jesus. And that's the message. That you're no longer just a sinner just trying to make it through and, and die and go to heaven. But your sin has been washed away. You're no longer a sinner. But you are the righteousness of God in Christ. To get that sin consciousness cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Man, how powerful. How powerful. So the purpose and, and the power of the covenant we've talked about. And we left you in just... A, a, a wonderful place, right standing face to face, standing face to face. And so just quickly, the process of the covenant is the promise has to be made. Second Corinthians chapter 120, every promise of God has its yes and its so be it in Christ. Why? How could they so boldly, how could the word so boldly proclaim that every promise of God has its yes for you and its so be it in Christ? Because Christ completed the process. He passed through all the pieces. He came from heaven. He went to hell on our behalf. He came back through the cross and ascended back into heaven. He completed a full process to make us whole. And when we determine that we are going to repent of our sin, die to the old man, and move through the cross, and see the resurrection life of Jesus Christ, and then we stand face to face in that covenant process. In that covenant process. And so the promise is made. What is the promise? God said, I will give you the totality of my life and what I created from the very beginning. And we tell him, I give you the totality of my life. That's the promise. I promise to put safety first at home, at school, and at play. No, I promise 
Sometimes we don't understand. I'm just bringing you. When you stood, wherever you stood, wherever you knelt down and said, Jesus, I believe that you did what you did. You gave your life to me. So forgive me of my sin. I repent. I'm laying down my old life. I'm giving you my old life. Be the Lord of my life. I'm receiving your life. That's what happened when you prayed that prayer. A divine exchange. See, if you didn't walk away from your old life, you didn't complete the passing through the pieces. So when you have an opportunity, next time there's an altar call, you just say, I'm ready. I'm ready to repent. I'm ready to leave my old life. Not just be forgiven of it, but because I'm forgiven, leave it and come to a new life. So you start opposed to God. You do the figure eight, you come face to face. And then in that face to face exchange, the exchange of the robe, which is significant of life. Then the exchange of the armor, which is authority and power. And he gave it all to us. We gave him the lack of authority and power. We gave him our sinful life. And it says he bore our sin. He took it all on the tree. He took our powerlessness over the enemy. All of our strength. And he took it. Somebody say, he took it. Come on, that's the covenant. He took it. And then he said, I got it. Now, I'm giving you my righteousness. I'm giving you my life and all of the components of it. And so as we said, whether it's Colossians 3, whether it's uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, when it starts to describe the life, the love, the joy, the peace, the goodness, the temperance, the patience, the strength, the love, the peace, Right? The moral excellence, the virtue, the knowledge, the self-control, the perseverance, the godliness, the brotherly kindness, the love. He's not saying, come on now, try to figure all this out. He's saying, this is your life. Welcome, this is your life now. These are the very characteristics of the life you now live by the faith of the Son of God. If you enter into covenant with him, it's not the life you're trying to live because you gave him the old life that's without it. You gave him all that sin did and the damage of that sin, and you said, I, I'm taking on this new, new life. And Paul writes the letter to say, just in case you didn't know, this is your new life. It's a life of moral excellence. It's a life of knowledge of God and who you are. It's a life of perseverance. It's a life of God-likeness. It's a life of brotherly love. It's a, it's a life of love. He said, when you do these things, these things, you recognize these things in your life, you are neither barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of him. Why? Because when you look in the mirror, you see him. Covenant does that for us. And so we've made this exchange face-to-face -face in the process. And then in that face-to-face -face process, in, in more of a, a pagan setting, but they, they cut their wrists and they, they, they swear. They make the terms of the covenant. They swear of the promise and the terms of the covenant before their God. And they raise their hand and they mingle their blood. And so in Genesis chapter 15, as we walk through all that, we saw that, that uh, uh, God... You know, he passed through the pieces. He made that, that process. You say, well, that passed through the pieces. Well, we see it there in Genesis chapter 15. 
But we also see it in, in Jeremiah chapter 34 when God came to tell the people that they had transgressed his covenant, and if they didn't repent of transgression, they would go into bondage. And this is how he describes it to them in Jeremiah chapter 34. He said, and I will give the men who have transgressed my covenant, who have not performed the words of the covenant which they made before me when they cut the calf in two and passed between its parts. So what did he do? He said, listen, I'm not just ripping off words that you made a covenant. You went through the process of covenant. You cut the covenant animal, you laid it out, you declared the promise of the covenant, and you passed through the pieces. And now you've gone against the covenant, so you'll go into captivity. You broke covenant. So there's something to this process of covenant in types, in reality for them in the flesh, for us to understand what was going on in Christ. He was the covenant animal. He is the way that, that passing through the pieces is the way of the covenant. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He was split in two, opening up the blood of God, the, the blood of man together to say and mingle the blood. And so God raised his hand in that covenant. Praise the Lord. Isaiah chapter 62 says this, The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by the arm of his strength, Surely I will no longer give your grain as food to your enemies, and the sons of foreigners shall not drink your new wine, for which you have labored. It says God raised up his right hand. That meant something to them in covenant. In Hebrews 6.13, it says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. It said God stood there, and he raised his right arm in swearing by the covenant of what he would do for him, and he swore by himself because he could swear by no greater. When man stand in covenant and they mingle their blood together, they swear before their gods, whoever they are, to uphold this covenant, and they mingle their blood together in that process. And Jesus, who stood there with the promise of God that mankind would be redeemed unto him, and they would take upon the very life of God in them, God swore by himself because there was no greater, that he would fulfill that which he promised. And when we accept that, we are standing in the way of that blood. And we are standing before him saying with that, with our arms raised high, I accept that covenant. And through the eternity and through the time, the blood of our, our blood, mankind, was mingled with the blood of God in that testimony and the creating of that. And so we stand before him in that place of covenant. I give my life to you. You've given your life to me. I swear by that. I accept the blood that was mingled. He says all the life of all flesh is in the blood. As we begin to recognize and realize the covenant and the, what the word of God tells us, that God gave us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of this covenant. What does he say? The, the, the body without the spirit is dead. And so the Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of us saying, I've exchanged my very life in the blood of Jesus and accepting the blood of Jesus. You receive the life of Jesus, the spirit of Christ in you. So you're no longer the same. You don't have the same old life. You died to the old man. And it's a reality if you've accepted it from the blood, the spirit, the life that was in his blood, the spirit and the blood agree. The life that was in the blood of Jesus came to live on the inside of you when you accepted it. 
the Spirit of God. So the old man you gave to him, there's a brand new man. Any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. They're dead. They've passed away. Behold, everything has become new. And all the new things are of God, who's reconciled us to himself. He's joined us to himself. We're born of him. Come on, you can read it over and over. You can read the New Testament. It has all these things that we're, we're grappling with. We're, we're trying to be better, trying to operate in love, trying to forgive, trying, trying. And all we've done is make the New Testament law. All we've done is prove trying to do it in our own strength, we can't do it. But the grace of the New Testament isn't this outlandish kind of idea that grace just covers it. No, the grace is what we couldn't do. The grace is receiving the life of God. And in the life of God is the power to live it. So when we recognize, I'm not trying to live this. I am this. This is my life. Joy is my life. Peace is my life. Righteousness is my life. Well, wait a minute. You made a mistake. I did. But I exchanged it. That's not who I am anymore. And when you realize that, it doesn't mean you don't run into controversy. It doesn't mean that the world's not out there trying to mess you up. The devil's not trying to mess you up. But the only way that he can really mess us up is when he takes us back and says, look at all that. And we're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at what you just said. That thought you just had. See? And just say, you know what? I cast that thought down right now because that thought is not a thought that I have. I don't know what that thought is, but that's not what I think about. See, it's a covenant. When it says casting down every thought, every imagination that is in disobedience to Christ, he's talking about if you know covenant, you say, wait a minute. My disobedience is gone. So this is not what I think about. I'm not thinking about the gossip. I'm not thinking about the negative. I'm not thinking about that. Well, wait a minute. I am thinking about that because you're embracing it as if you think that way. The old man thought that way, but when you realize I'm new and I don't have any of that stuff in me anymore, I don't think that way. It's the power of covenant. Somebody say, I'm new in Christ. Come on, I'm a new creation in Christ. Come on, that's not theory. If you've accepted the blood of Jesus, God says, I see you as brand new. You've received the sacrifice of my blood. You've partaken of it, and when you did, the life that's in the blood, the spirit of life that's in his blood just came to live on the inside of you, and it's called the spirit of God, and it's your guarantee that you entered into covenant. So, come on, we're just taking the religious part out of it. I'm just trying to take the religious part out of it. 
I mean, everybody's mind is like going, oh, come on, man, come on. That sounds way too lofty. No, it's so, God wanted to make it so simple to bring back in you the innocence instead of dealing with all the junk that goes on around and all that we've done. It's like, man, I, I, I did what nothing else could do. I washed you clean. So they make this, this, uh, they make this vow and they, they make the terms of the, of the covenant now which just means when you're, you're mingling that blood and you make the terms, you swear before your God to uphold those terms of the covenant, which are, I give my life. I, I've given you my weaponry. I've given you my life, and I've received your weaponry, and I've received your life, and we'll do it forever and ever. And it joins our families together. And so after the, the blood is mingled in different ways in different times, then Somebody that's overseeing the covenant declares this. Now listen to this. This is so um, good. This is just a covenant that um, uh, David Stanley made. It says, uh, he had caused us to sit fronting each other face to face on a straw carpet. He made an incision in each of our right legs. Here it was their legs, not their arm. From which he extracted the blood and interchanging it. He exclaimed aloud. So in other words, when they're, they're mingling their blood together, this is an old African covenant rite. So these things are similar, but we have to see where the blood of Jesus works. He said, if either of you break this brotherhood or this covenant now established between you, may the lion devour him, the serpent poison him, bitterness be in his food, his friends desert him, his gun burst in his hand and wound him. <laughs> and everything that is bad do wrong to him until death. So he said, don't enter into this covenant lightly. Don't enter into this covenant lightly. Which Jesus said in Luke, the 14th chapter. He said, if you want to be my disciple." you're going to have to consider the cost of putting me first. See, we think, no cost, just going. He said, no, it cost me everything. And when you enter into it, you're giving up your life to receive mine. You couldn't pay for your life. I paid for it. So I've made the entrance into it free because you couldn't do what I did. But if you accept it, you're going to have to put me very first, make me Lord. Not father, not mother, not brother, not sister, not all your finances. You're going to put me first because to say you do and not will create trouble. It'll create trouble. But on the flip side, they said this. Praise the Lord. I've got to figure out where to start. So he, he came to him. He's talking about they all have these different names uh, that they have got. We'll get to that. He says he's come to Matabuiki. That's the chief. He has asked Matabuiki to be his friend or his covenant friend. Matabuiki has taken him by the hand and has become his blood brother. So in other words, they've entered into covenant. Tandalay belongs, that's Stanley, to Aboko now. He belongs to him now. He's part of us now. He has become this day one of us. Listen to the voice of the chief. The name is there. 
thought they must be incurably deaf not to have heard that voice. In other words, he's saying, he's saying, listen to me today, and he had a huge booming voice. Bula Matari, Marta Buwiki are one today. They're one today. This isn't even talking about Jesus. This is just African tribes. They're one today. We have joined hands. Hurt not Bula Matari's people. Steal not from them. Offend them not. Bring food and sell it to him at a fair price. Gently, kindly, and in peace. For he is my brother. Hear you, ye people of Aboka. You by the riverside and you in the interior. And they said, we hear you, shouted the multitude. So he said, after the blood covenant, after they mingled their blood, here's what happens if you ever break this. But then the chief said, we are one today. Make sure you treat them as one of us. And it goes on to say, even in that covenant ceremony, they mingled their blood. And that the, the, the one who was presiding over the covenant, he mixed their blood with gunpowder. One place says they even took powder shavings from the stock of his gun. Again, his power, his armor. And put it in the blood and they mingled that in the wound to make a definite scar of the covenant. And so God made a scar with his people. He called it circumcision. In the old covenant, there had to be a covenant scar. Circumcision. David understood that covenant that he had, and he defeated Goliath based on Goliath's lack of covenant and his covenant with God. He said, I have a covenant with God. God said he would protect me. He would give me his power. He would give me his armor. He would give me his strength. He's never promised that to that giant. So today, that giant has come against the covenant of God, and I'm a covenant partner. Therefore, he will fall today, and I will cut off his head. Why? Because he understood covenant. And he was able to say, I have a covenant scar. He does not have a covenant scar. He cannot declare or proclaim or invoke covenant on his behalf. But I can. So there's too many believers that don't invoke covenant on their behalf because they haven't lived covenant. They don't understand covenant. But when you understand covenant and you have it and you live it and you recognize the enemy does not have covenant, you stand in your covenant power. You have all the authority, the armor of God to stand against every strategy of the enemy. It's not just the armor of God that you put on. It's the exchange of the power of God in covenant. It now belongs to you, the armor of God. Explain. It's part of your life. The truth, the righteousness, the salvation, the sword of the spirit in your hand, the shield of faith. It's all part of who you are right now and the power that you have in covenant with God. Praise the Lord. And so in revealing the scar and declaring the word of God and declaring that testimony, again, you can go and read the Mosaic Covenant in Deuteronomy chapter 28. He said, now that we're covenant partners, all these blessings will come upon you because you're a covenant partner. You'll be blessed in the field. You'll be blessed coming in. You'll be blessed going out. You'll be blessed in the fruit of your womb. You'll be blessed in your field. You'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. He said, but you leave this covenant and none of those blessings will come upon you. You'll be cursed in all these areas. It didn't say that God will curse you. He says you get outside of the covenant and there's a curse. Just like that, they didn't say they were going to, when he pronounced this, he didn't say we're going to make all this bad happen to you. He said if you leave this, just bad stuff will happen. 
even your own gun will blow up in your hand. (laughs) So the power of covenant is so dynamically powerful. So they mingle their blood, they speak that, and then they exchange names. Again, sometimes we don't want to do that in the marriage covenant. It's important. When God made a covenant with Abram, he went back and he changed his name to Abraham. There's an exchange of names that we have become one. Your name is is changed. There's so much changing of name. There's so much covenant throughout the Bible. You can read it. There's so much of that. And they declare those things in the blood blood that's mingled and and spread. That circumcision, we talked about this in in Hebrews chapter 4, that that the word of God is alive, it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder between the soul and the spirit. One translation says, showing up the dividing line. He says, in the new covenant, our scar will not be in flesh, but the circumcision will be the circumcision of the heart. Come on, there's something about this circumcision of the heart. We'll, we'll read this in just a moment. That as New Testament believers, we keep looking. We need to look at the word. Don't misunderstand me. But we keep looking and trying and looking and trying and looking and trying. But God said this looking and trying, this struggle, he said there's something written on your heart. There's something that when your heart deals with you, listen to your heart. Quit looking to what's written out there and saying, how do I get that out there? It's, it, the new covenant is written on your heart. There's a consciousness of righteousness. Your conscience has been cleansed by the blood of sin. See, in our heart, we're just like, I don't feel. I don't feel like I'm worthy. I don't feel. I don't feel like I, I measure up. I don't feel like that. That's sin consciousness. I don't measure up. And instead of allowing that consciousness, let the blood of Jesus cleanse you and and again enter into that covenant and go, man, what's in my heart is the love of God. What's in my heart is the peace of God. What's in my heart is to do right by someone else. What's in my heart is to be generous. What's in my heart is to say these kind words. What's in my heart is to bring forth the word. It's written right there in my heart. It's a new covenant. That's where grace comes in. And I have a name. I possess a name, a new name. I'm Christ-like. I'm Christian. I've taken on his name. And the power of his name, I'm in covenant. Come on, then there's a covenant meal. We're going to partake of that, but there's such meaning to that covenant meal, the blood of Jesus. But the body, oh man, the body. The blood is the covenant, the blood is the life, but the body is the access. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to read. It's going to take a bit. You all have your elements with you, right? Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things can never with the same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. This is the old. For, they would, for then would they not have ceased to be offered. For the worshipers once purified would have had no more, what? Consciousness of sin. He said if the blood of bulls and goats could have done it, they'd have stopped offering sacrifice and they wouldn't have been conscious of sin. 
But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Come on, highlight that and underline that. In the old covenant, it was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. What is the emphasis? What could not take away sin, the blood of Jesus could do what? Take away sin. Come on, somebody say it with me. Take away sin. Say it again. Take away sin. Say it again. Take away sin. If it's been taken away, how can we any longer live in it? Come on, all those, well, wait a minute. Haven't you made a mistake? Just lay it down for a minute. (laughs) Don't get caught up in that. Making a mistake. Because you'll just digress back and say, this is who I am. That's not who you are. You just accepted the covenant. Because what was old could not take away sin, but what is new takes away sin. Verse 5. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offering, and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had in them uh, pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that we will have been sanctified, made holy, separate through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standing stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Why could he do that? Because it takes away sin. It takes away sin. From that time, waiting till his enemies are his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sin and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith or our hope without wavering, for he who promised, remember the promise at the beginning, is faithful. 
And let us consider one another to stir up love and good works. Why? Because our covenant with him is covenant with us. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Our gathering together has to do with covenant and reminding and exhorting one another of the covenant that we have and that we're washed by the blood, not reminding each other of all of our mistakes and all of our faults. faults, faults. <laughs> Got to slow down a little bit. All of our faults. But exhorting one another in the fact that you've been washed and you've been cleansed and you've been sanctified. That you're no longer made and shouldn't be conscious of the sin. Nor should you be going out sinning. Why? Why would you sin if you know it's no longer a part of your life? Which is what he says. There is no break in this. He said, for if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. If you accepted the blood of Jesus and you just say, I'm going back to the old way of life, I'm going back to the old way I, 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 uh, of doing things. For them, it was going back to blood of bulls and goats that couldn't cover it. He said, there's no, there's no other sacrifice but the blood of Jesus that cleanses of sin. He said, but a certain expectation of judgment and a fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without, the mercy, without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose Will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? When we stood, whatever day it was, maybe you haven't done it yet, and said, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I repent of the way I've been living. I come to the cross right now and I receive your blood and your sacrifice of your own body for me. I give you my life and I receive yours. Something supernatural happened. You're no longer the same old person. You're a new creation in Christ. So the nature of sin and the ability to sin and just do what I want and go back to the way I wanted, he said, no. It's not the way we live anymore. There's a God who's watching. And when you just say, I, I believe this, I understand this, and I believe this, he said, to go away from it is to tread underfoot the one who gave his life for you. Counted the blood of the covenant by which you were cleansed as a common thing. In other words, I just accepted Jesus' sacrifice like anybody else's. There was no power in his blood. I just count it common. He said, no, if you understand the blood and the power of that blood to wash you and cleanse you of all sin, why would you intentionally and on purpose live away from God instead of for him? We're not talking about making a mistake. We're talking about how you bring your life in a total over and over, day after day. Do you understand what you've done? And insulted the spirit of grace, the Holy Spirit who bore witness to your heart that Jesus did exactly what he said he would do. The Holy Spirit that came to live on the inside of you. When we understand that we stood in the way of that covenant where his blood was shed. And through him, our blood and the blood of God was mingled together to wash us, 
to take away sin, to make us a brand new creation in Christ, that our thoughts would be cleansed of the consciousness of sin and our thoughts would retain and understand the life of righteousness and the relationship that we have, the oneness that we have with God to live in the way that God created us to live. And we stand there and say, I receive that. The blood mingled. My name has been changed. The promises have been invoked. And I stand to say, I'm here to do your will, O God. To learn and to walk in that. We know that if we make a mistake, we come to him and say, that was my bad, my mistake. I truly honor, fall down before you. Teach me, show me, reveal to me. That's not breaking covenant. But to say, I'm going to do this and do things my own way, regardless of you. He said, why would you do that and disregard the covenant of oneness that is yours? For we know he's a just God. The New King James says vengeance, but others say God in him is true justice and righteousness. That he will judge all rightly when we stand before him. He said there is that place of judgment. All right, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. There's so much in this. I'm sorry I keep going back to review because I just it's so loaded to me. To go over it and not continue to faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But God has a plan for the church. He has a desire and design for us to be like him. Religion has thrown that off and said it'll never happen, but he said, I died for this to happen, for you to receive my life, to look like me, to be like me, and we've struggled with it. Anybody struggle with it? A few. Some of you that don't, praise the Lord, I'm glad. But I've taught this before, and then you just get going, and you start to find yourself struggling with it, and things happen, and you're like, why is this happening? And then all of a sudden, you start taking it on. Well, I must have messed up, and I've done this. But if you look at it and know stuff's going on in the world, and you acknowledge when you make a mistake right away, this isn't who I am. Why did I do that? God, I bring this back to you. It says he'll immediately cleanse you because of his honoring covenant. He'll always be faithful. But we don't take it for granted. It's a humbling thing to say, man, that's not who I am. What did I do that for? I bring this to you humbly. Confess my sin. And he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. My desire, and I know we've taken, many of us have taken communion many, many times before, is that you take a moment and think about covenant in this way, and I believe Paul's talking about this. We're here together in covenant, the covenant meal. Probably have to expound more at some other time, but verse 23 says, For I received from the Lord that which was I also delivered to you, that, on, uh, uh, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, Take, eat. This is my body which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup in the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you, 
cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes again. The Bible says that we enter, that Jesus' broken body, his flesh, was the veil. When we partake of his broken body, what kept us out of the presence of God was the veil, sin. So Romans 8 tells us that Jesus conquered sin, the sin of the flesh, in the flesh. In other words, what kept us away from God, the sin, he bore in his flesh, and his flesh was broken to do what? To rent the veil, so when we partake of his body, we partake of his life, it opens up access. When you partake of that bread, you're saying, I'm partaking of the broken body. It opens up access where there was sin in the veil. He bore it in his own body and opened up the veil. So in his body, I have access to everything of God. And through his blood, I enter into the life of the new covenant. He said, therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many even sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. We're going to take a moment after what we've talked about and just judge our own heart. Knowing that we've made this commitment to him, lay everything else down and come into that place of saying, I'm in covenant with you. I receive everything that you've done and I renew my commitment to walk in this newness of life. I ask you, God, in this moment to cleanse my consciousness of the guilt, the shame, the consciousness of sin. This dog my tracks. The reality of the covenant of who I am in Christ. And when I partake of this, I'm proclaiming your death for me and that you are coming again for me. It's the power of covenant. So they're going to play a song. I just want us to take time to examine our hearts and our lives, and then we'll all partake of the communion together.
as we're in this attitude of worship, let's all, <clears throat> some may, here may need to ded- rededicate your life. Maybe you did that in your personal prayer time. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, preparing to take communion, let's just all reinstitute from our hearts and say this, say, Father God, I come to you this morning and I believe with all of my heart that Jesus gave his life a sacrifice for my life to take away my sin. And so right now, I repent of my sinful life. I give it to you. And right now, I receive your life, your forgiveness, and your grace. Thank you for cleansing and making me holy. I believe that you raised from the dead, that I might raise from this deadness of sin and live forever with you in your likeness, freed from my sin. I yield to you as Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Now, as Paul said, Jesus delivered unto him. He said, this bread is my body that was broken for you. He took our sin in his own body that day to take it away from us. The sin that kept man from relationship with God would once and for all be taken out of the way that we might have access to the Father personally and obtain everything that access to the Father affords to us healing, deliverance, freedom, and wholeness. We acknowledge your broken body and partake of it right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. took the cup after supper saying this is a new covenant in my blood that covenant where we partake of his very life and the source of your life as we partake of this cup we acknowledge that we partake of your life and of your spirit that is that guarantee And all that that life brings to us, we yield to it. Thank you for shedding your blood. The old might be broken, and we might receive the new and better covenant of life with you. Partake of the cup.
Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask you to move on every heart and every life. Something simple, something dynamic. I'm asking you to help each one of us with a greater revelation of the covenant that we have, that we might live every day in this life that you've purchased for us by your blood, no longer bound by the sin, but truly experiencing freedom from that and newness of life. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can stand up. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Why don't you say this as we go? What God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day. Remember tonight, we're going to. Celebrate the turning on of lights in the Christmas season.